Are you ready to take your real estate investing business to the next level? Well, you're in the right place. This is the Real Estate Investing Morning Show. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. With your mentors, Wayne and Gabby. Good morning and welcome to the Real Estate Investing Morning Show. Good Today morning, everybody. It is Tuesday, April 12th, and we are going to have a high of minus six, but it's going to feel like minus 13 here in the Edmonton region. Screw that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, there was some outside. snow out there, yeah. <laughs> uh, Good morning. Good morning, everybody. We're broadcasting live on the Podbeam app. I see everybody here this morning, bright and early. Uh, we broadcast live every morning at 6 a.m. Mountain Time on the Podbean app. Just download the app, listen in live. You can join the conversation. You can click the call-in button, ask your questions. You can win some cool prizes. It's Monday to Friday, not every Monday. I didn't say it. Huh. Uh, we had a bit of a long day yesterday. Yeah. And um, Wayne's also accusing me of um, playing with the mixer knobs on the sound mixer. And so if the audio is a little off today, just let us know. Uh, we were moving some things around in the studio yesterday, and I think that Gabby... If I did not. Yeah. I, I touched the back when it almost fell off the table, and that's all I... That's the only thing I did. They don't look there. They don't look <laughs> like they're in the right spots. You know so let us done? know. I, I'm not... I haven't joined the podcast. Yeah. Can you turn your volume down? I, I can. Okay. <laughs> all right. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Monday through Friday, uh, every week, uh, 6 a.m., you can join in. Uh, get your questions answered. Free coaching every morning. Take advantage of it. Why not? We got a question from yesterday, which we're going to be answering here uh, shortly from Jeremy. Um, we had a bit of a busy day yesterday. Obviously, I did. I was. I would. I presented for four hours yesterday total. Yeah. Morning show. Barry McGuire's RTO roundtable. Yeah. And uh, then, yeah. Two hours of uh, the basic training last night. Yeah. Yeah, that Crazy. was a pretty great start to that. Um, almost a passing grade for me. Uh, so we had 106 people sign up and 69 people showed up. So did you sign up? <laughs> and did you not show up? Shame. <laughs> I mean, you're probably thinking, ah, oh, it's just the first day. It's just the first day. That's just the boring stuff. After all your scare tactics, I don't know. I don't know. I 40, almost 40 people didn't show up. So it's, uh, it's just under a passing grade uh, for me. So um, not feeling so great about that. I mean, that's that's probably why I'm a little tired this morning. I didn't get much <laughs> sleep. Um, Josh just think I signed up with both my emails. Wilson yes, was covered in insulation. Nice. Wilson. Wilson. Goodness gracious. Um, yeah, so we had our basic training start last night. Um, I was just thinking about it. I was thinking about like, oh, upcoming events, Gabby. We don't have any. <laughs> there are none. Show up for the rest of the week of basic training. Yes. That's it. That's all we have on the books right now, you guys. Nothing else. We might yeah. just be shutting her down after this. This could be it. Yeah. If we don't get that that passing grade tonight, I think we're just done. Yeah, pull the plug. 
<laughs> we took it all for granted. <laughs> um, if anyone's got any questions today for real estate investing or they want to talk about anything, anything in the news, anything you're working on, um, please, please put in the chat or call in today. Um, I want to know what you guys are working on. Are you working on a deal? Are you working on uh, a bad tenant? Are you working on pricing out insurance? <laughs> I don't know. Um, Courtney says that Denise and I both signed up, but then showed up on one device. We ruined your stats. Mm, that I suppose that could be it a bit too. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we're suddenly getting closer to 70%. Okay. So that's, there's two right there. That bumps me up to 71 people. 106, not quite 70% yet, but I think by the, by the end of the show, we'll get this all resolved. And yeah. Um, that's 67%. God dang it. <laughs> was Robbie there last night? Robbie was there. I see you, Robbie. Were you there last night? Okay. Yeah. I'm like, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I didn't see much. <laughs> I, I didn't see his name pop up in the comments. It was a lot. It's, you know, it's a lot, it's a lot of presenting and we try and keep an eye on all everyone that's there, but for the most part, we're just keeping an eye on the comments. So we're going to have everyone a little more uh, engaged uh, for the rest of the week. Um, the first day is just a whole lot of basic information. So, um, Cody has a question. Okay. Let's get into it. Cody says, good morning. Good have a question on utilities in your rentals. Are you on flat rate plans or floating? Flat. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah. Um, flat rate plans. Um, just right now with the rates going up. Like it's crazy. been flat rate for years, Gabby. That hasn't. We just yes. switched a bunch of ours from floating to flat rate. Last because year. I missed them. <laughs> they should have been flat. Yeah. <laughs> I did my research years ago. Um, I do not like exposing myself to that risk. Yeah. That's, well, look what happened this winter. Yeah. Well, okay. So uh, over the winter, as you all probably saw in, you know, the Facebook community pages, not, not the rental community pages, but like, like neighborhood pages. Yeah. Um, everybody, well, actually rental pages as well, <laughs> but everybody losing their mind over the over the price of their um, utility bills. And some people actually posted a picture of their bill. So what I did was I pulled up my bill and I looked at what they were paying per gigajoule, kilowatt, whatever it is, <laughs> mm -hmm. all those things. And mine, which were locked in, you know, last year, the year before, whenever it was locked into flat the year before that, <clears throat> compared to what they were paying was like half so they their rates were like double what mm -hmm. mine were so good morning chad oh, i was like okay <laughs> chad doesn't um, come yeah. in very often i just want to say good morning chad. <laughs> and said hi Continue. um yeah so anyways the i guess the point that i'm getting at is they have gone up like crazy and yes do lock yourself in because they will probably continue to go up yeah uh you know there's always been the debate about fixed and variable interest rates for for mortgage rates um but just utilities is like it's one of those ones that i don't know i don't feel as good about i don't feel about feel as, as, as secure about so you know i i did my research on the difference years ago between floating and and, and flat or fixed whatever it is 
And um, at the time, it was somewhat comparable, but a little bit cheaper um, for floating. But just things happen. You know what I mean? And yeah, I, I, I didn't like the vulnerability of, of like my $400 of cash flow being affected and like $200 of that go, being gone because they just decided to up the rates because mm-hmm. something happened. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's, it's much easier for us to prepare by knowing exactly what roughly what our payments are going to be based on, um, based on usage, as long as usage doesn't go crazy, mm-hmm. um, we should have a consistent utility bill every month. Yeah. And it's easier to plan our cash flow. Yeah. Um, even if going back to mortgage rates, if your interest rate changes, um, with a, with a, with a variable mortgage, your payment stays the same. So you can still, you still know what your cash flow is going to be every month. Yeah. It's consistent. You don't have to justify anything to your, your, um, your joint venture partners. Like, just imagine like your cash flow was dropped in half suddenly from 400 to 200 and your, your, you have to tell your joint venture partner, Hey, I'm only sending you a hundred this month, not 200 because, uh, utilities have gone up and they're going to be like, well, why didn't you lock into this? You know what I mean? Like you just don't want to have those conversations. You want it consistent. You don't want surprises. Um, so yeah, I've always, I've always gone flat. Yeah. Um, it does look like we have some other comments in here, but I just wanted to mention something else about utilities because it's a conversation that I've had several times with different people that usually ends up coming up at some point. And people will ask like who we have our utilities with because they've had bad experiences and want to change. And one thing I do with utilities is keep it simple and keep it consistent. So as we grew our rental portfolio, I have kept all of our properties so long as they are all like all the ones within Edmonton, because as you get to outliers, um, they have like their utilities are with, um, sorry, their city utilities, maybe with a different company than the providers for the other utilities. So but in Edmonton, Epcor is the provider of water, waste, et cetera, drainage. Mm-hmm. And so instead of setting up Epcor for those things on all the properties and then setting up the other utilities through a different provider who may have slightly cheaper rates, I just keep it all simple and keep it an all-in-one bill so that once a month, sometimes once every two months, depending how often they bill, I get a bill. And every single one of my properties is on that bill. And I just scroll through and I pay each property's amount that's mm-hmm. due for it. So the simpler that you keep it, the less headaches you're going to have. But the other side of that is that I decided on our personal residence to try out a different company. They looked like they had some nice cheap rates, decided to try them out. And I have had nothing but problems with billing since the day I signed up. And it's been just over a year now. Is it one of those cheaper ones? Yeah, one of the cheaper ones that doesn't have customer support or they they quote unquote do, but it's shit. Their billing is all messed up. Everything, like it's just been a nightmare. And the only reason I haven't switched is because I am too busy, (laughs) which is why you keep it simple and set it up the simple way (laughs) from the beginning. And you don't try something else to try to save a few dimes. Yeah. So just, I mean, do what you want, but that's just a little tip from somebody who has been doing it for a while. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that, you know, 
it's it's easy to do when you got one or two properties and you know you're trying to save an extra 10 20 bucks in cash flow i get it like it makes sense um but as you start to scale and get more properties um i promise you getting one bill for like 15 20 thousand dollars for utilities is is better than getting all these different bills and like trying to keep up on it because utilities is actually one of those things that you I don't really think you can outsource. You kind of have to pay them yourself. Yes. I mean, unless, of course, you have an assistant that pays with the business credit card. Right. Right. It's one of those ones that you need to set up yourself because you can't, you can't, um, um, unless someone's on the account, it's difficult for, for people to set up a utilities and to pay those types of things. So that's one of those things that, one of those tasks that you're going to have to do. So again, you want to keep it as simple as possible. Um, if, you know, if you're, bill is 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 crazy at least you can call epcor and and they have all of your properties on there mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah um and they can access it really quickly and for simplicity yeah. yeah and especially like if you're um if you have like suited properties and stuff and you're dealing with like so in edmonton like because <clears throat> epcor deals with the waste and stuff like you're dealing with your garbage bins you're dealing with you know like all that kind of stuff so if there's ever a problem you're literally just have to call Epcor or 311 to ask them for the city mm-hmm. to ask them questions about the utilities or the garbage or like all that kind of stuff. So it's very streamlined. Yeah. Um, let's go back to the. Yeah. So um, Robbie. Yep. Oh, so he's uh, jet lagged. So I must have just got back from Hawaii. Mm. He said I was jet lagged, but I made it. Um, so Robbie is meeting with the contractor to take measurements and get plans made up. Yes. Take possession next week. Just need to get all the legal stuff over the finish line today. It's amazing. Robbie, uh, Robbie's deal there is first deal. So congratulations to Robbie on his first deal and getting that just, just about done. Um, but that was not an easy one. Um, wholesale deal off market. Yeah. Off market. Um, yeah, so he bought it off a wholesaler and then just, you know, going through all the, the hoops you have to go through to, to, to do a burr, right, with the mortgage and everything else. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I was helping Robbie with, with a lot of this, and um, I, I know how difficult and how stressful it was. So I'm happy for you that you're getting – you're almost there. You almost reached the finish line. Mm-hmm. Uh, next step is all the nonsense with renovations. And uh, then you get about four months of that and then bam, right into uh, now you're a property manager. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited to keep working with him. Uh, he, he's, he's, uh, he's got, he's got the right attitude. Yeah. Well, and the <laughs> and renovation, patience. the renovation stage is the fun part when you get to see it go from what it is to torn down to put back together. Yeah. That's the, the fun part. Yeah. Absolutely. Getting it signed and getting your mortgage and all that kind of crap is the awful awful part <laughs> yeah yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna skip over zakaya's question here because i want to get back to it because that's uh, similar to what uh, jeremy's question was yesterday okay. but uh uh jeremy had another question <laughs> uh jeremy said i had a bad tenant recently and have an option optional court i would have to go to the rtdrs to exercise uh would you give the tenant the option to pay damages before going to the rtdrs or just go to the rtdrs I think, I think I need a little more information. Yeah. Um, absolutely. If you can just get them to pay 
the damages outside of RTDRS. You're just going to save a whole lot of time. You're going to save, you know, the RTDRS a whole lot of time. You know, if 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 a if a slot opens up, then someone else is going to get that slot, and they're going to be able to evict a tenant sooner. I mean, absolutely. Um, however, without the full story, I don't like giving advice because. <clears throat> just give me an example. They say, "Yeah, sure. You know, here's a payment plan. I'll pay you back by the thirty first, and your hearing is like next week. Then what if they don't?" Yeah. Then you got to book out just six, eight weeks again. Yeah. Um, as long as everything is done, they've paid and they're out and there's nothing else that can happen, then for sure, cancel your RTDRS hearing. But if there's still things ongoing, they've caught up, but they are you know, still there and they say they're going to leave by the first, I would still have that hearing and still get that order. Because it's the order. The reason why you're going to the RTDRS is not to get them to point their finger and to demand that someone do something. It's to get an order. And once you have an order, you got your judgment, your order. Then you can take that to the Court of Queen's Bench and and use that to get your writ of enforcement. And any you use your writ of enforcement to enforce, um, you know, what needs to be done. So, again, without without more information, it's a little difficult. I'll keep an eye on the comments there to see if any more information comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I said, if everything is all done, they paid up and they're gone and then nothing else can happen, then yeah, I'd say cancel the hearing. Yeah, there's also something to be said, like just simply put about telling somebody like, hey, I'm giving you the option like to pay this before I go and take further action, which is going to result in your credit, a judgment against you, which sounds like there might already be. I don't know what optional court means, but... Um, sounds like they might already have a judgment against them, but it'll prevent a judgment against you as well as if I send this to collections, it's, you know, that's going to ruin your credit as well. So, you know, um, I'm just giving you the opportunity if you want to pay this before we go down that road. Yeah. Um, usually, you know, some people really don't give a shit (laughs) True. because you're not the first, uh, property that they've destroyed probably. Or, eh, ah, God, don't say that, Gab. That just creates more. Okay. <laughs> um, please don't take offense the way I said that, Gabby. But um, I hate when people say things like that. I hate when people say that you're not the first, you know, uh, house that they've ever trashed. No, like tenants don't trash. They don't. They don't trash your house. I think there's a, there's there's so many new people that listen to our podcast and and I apologize, honey, but like it's things like that when they're said that that really discourage people from taking action and taking that first step and buying a property because they think that there's there's some there's there's a high or a, a decent probability of their place getting trashed, which just doesn't happen. It does, but you know if you're educated and you're joining in on the basic training this week and you're getting you know coaching or mentoring or you're taking you know you're getting educated on the residential tenancies act. You'll, you'll know that how to handle it when it does. It may happen, but like it's never happened to us. Once we had a, it didn't trash it. They were just trash. <laughs> they, yeah, no, we've never had like massive damage or anything like that. Just like garbage everywhere. Just lots of shit. <laughs> you know, you know where I see, you know where I see um, houses getting trashed. It's never in our investor community groups. It's in landlord groups. Yeah. 
And in landlord groups, I'd say I know 30% of the people in there because they're investors in the landlord group. And the other 70% are people that do not hang out with us. These are people that have a condo that turned it into a rental that don't know what the fuck they're doing. They don't know how to screen. They don't know how to, they, they just they take the first person with cash. They want to fill it quickly. And oh, oh God, you know, you, you see, you know, the, you know, the, you know, the paragraphs I'm talking about, you know, like the, I took a chance on them. You know, I'm a mother as well. I understood that, you know, they, they are having trouble finding a place. You see all these little one-liners, you know? And, and then, the, you know, below you see the pictures and it's just, just absolute garbage. And, you know, there's holes in the wall and stuff like that. It doesn't happen to sophisticated real estate investors because we get education, right? So if you think, if you just plan on buying a property and just putting it up on Kijiji and just accepting the first person with cash, then yeah, you're going to be vulnerable to, you know, you're at risk to getting some of the bad people. If so you let do me it just, right and you get educated, yeah. then you probably won't. The likelihood is very low. Yeah. Actually, you know what? We've got 29 people on live right now. Of the 29 of you, how many of you have ever had a tenant that's trashed the place? Yeah. I'll keep an eye on the comments. You go ahead. And Well, I just, and I wanted to clarify, because yes, that's a really great point, Wayne. But what I was saying is that if they are one of those tenants who trash, who he's in a position now where he has trashed his house, he's damaged it beyond deposit beyond he had to go get a is court this, order is this the commissary yeah oh um and so in that case that tenant is one of those tenants who has trashed a place right. so what i'm saying is that he <clears throat> he could that that tenant he or she or they could possibly have if that's the type of people they are now i'm like backpedaling but they may have done that before yes yes of course i'm not saying that Oh, there's a high likelihood that everybody's going to trash your place. That wasn't the statement I was okay. making. Okay. It was if they are trashers, they've likely trashed somebody else's house. Too. Right. And they may not care if you threaten them. Right. By damaging their credit. I don't know. Maybe has he looked at a, at when he signed them? Did he see their credit report? Did he see, um, you know, those types of things? So who's to say? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But you are 100% right. A sophisticated real estate investors, which I, I hate that term, but Me too. as educated real estate investors, <laughs> um, we get better from, you know, our first few tenants were awful. Like we said, never trashed the place, but they were. Because we didn't know. Yeah, not good people. We didn't screen them properly. I'm sure that that credit report we looked at was fake. Now that yeah. I know about fake credit reports, like just all that stuff, like just bad, bad tenants. And, but we learned from it and we didn't have the proper education. We didn't have the groups to learn from. We didn't have a network to learn from. We just dove in and we made some shitty decisions. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, it... but we don't anymore. Yeah. We've had a few messy tenants that we've had to clean up after. Who cares? Well, I want to point out again uh, that we've never had anyone that's quote unquote trashed the place. Yeah. Um, those are very rare. Um, Cody, uh, Cody asks, will we see that on their credit report? Their credit report will show if they have things in collections. So if something, if say they got a judgment against them, they didn't pay. And then the person went so far as to take it to collections, then it would show up there. But otherwise the only way that you're going to know whether they've, um, had judgments against them is if you go down to the court of Queens bench and you pull, um, 
personal judgments. Mm-hmm. So you go down, what's it called? Pull judgment, judgment, judgments on an individual. Yeah. Yeah. So you just go down and say, I want to pull judgments on so-and-so first name, last name, pay them 10 bucks. And they give you a report that either is empty and blank just has their name on it yeah, <laughs> or has the judgments that have been against them, yeah, which so- could be anything. It could be that they got in a, car accident and were sued it could have that they their car was repoed yeah uh just anything where they went to that was filed at the court of queen's yeah, bench that was filed at the court of queen's bench against them yeah yeah which includes rtdrs hearings i'm just yeah. gonna um, do this really quickly just for those of you that that don't know what the rtdrs is that is our um it's the residential tenancy dispute resolution services which is a, an alberta service uh that what it does is it keeps landlord tenant disputes out of the provincial court. So there isn't, there's its own little, um, what would you call it? Office that handles landlord tenant disputes. They have mediators. Um, they are technically lawyers, judges, um, but they, they handle it in like a small little boardroom as opposed to, you know, taking up the time of the provincial court. Um, so that's where we, you know, file for our disputes and to be resolved. Um, if it gets out of hand or if you choose to, you can bypass it and um, choose to go to provincial court. Just it's, it's longer, it's messier, it's um, and, and they don't deal with tenant disputes, landlord tenant disputes as often. So yeah. um, just so you guys know what that is. If you ever do have a dispute with your tenants, that's where you would file it. Um, with the ArchDRS, and then you can either do it in person in their little boardrooms or you can do it over the phone. Yeah. Um, so Cody asks, do you do that when screening candidates, um, pulling the judgments against them? And um, if they had an online service <laughs> like you do with like pulling titles, yeah. I think that I would. You know, like as your final, like you're ready to sign somebody a quick 10 bucks, absolutely yeah. I would. But when you need to drive downtown and park and go into the pay for parking, go into the court of Queens bench, wait in their lineup, get through, pull it and get back out to your parking and drive all the way home. Like, ah, it's hard. Like, it seems like a silly thing to say that, like, I feel like it's not worth it, but it's half a day. It's half a day, especially when we're down in Leduc. Like that's a 40 minute drive just to get there 40 minutes back plus waiting in, which sometimes can be a pretty long lineup. Um, so I don't, I have a couple times years ago, yeah. but I don't consistently do that. We, um, we don't. Yeah. And, and don't use us as an example of our references. Yeah. I to, just basically told you that it's because I don't want to spend the time doing it. <laughs> to other people, probably, you know, if you got one or two properties, I know a lot of people that choose to before they sign a tenant. Mm-hmm. Um, it's part of your diligence. You want to make sure that. Everything looks good on the surface. You know, their credit report is good. Um, their application's good. Their, you know, their pay stub's good. They make enough money affordability. You met them. They passed the, the character check. They look like really nice people. I think people who are desperate to find a home, let's let's use an example of, you know, your your the people who who aren't good. And they've been responding to listings and listings and listings and everybody keeps saying no. Well, the people that are the bad ones are probably going to get creative and falsify a credit report or a pay stub or, you know what I mean, just to get accepted because they're on the streets. They're living in a hotel. So I wouldn't be surprised if the really bad ones, they're the ones that fake stuff, right? Mm-hmm. 
so the best way to find out if 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 they've um if they've been evicted before or they owe people money that is is to pull judgments that's the that's the true way mm-hmm. make sure you're checking their driver's license as well um do a google check gabby's found some, some interesting stuff when she googles people's names she finds interesting stuff when uh, when we look them up on Facebook. Um, it's all part of your diligence. Uh, just pulling judgments is um, Gabby and I personally are at the point now. It's like where we're doing where we're making thousand dollar and twenty thousand dollar decisions and not ten dollar decisions. Mm-hmm. And it's it's hard for us to kill half a day on something like that. And then oh god, we better have ten applicants we're going to do at once because I'm not going to go drive back tomorrow for the next one. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So. That's our thoughts on that. Um, I want to get into this uh, this other question that uh, Zakaya had and Jeremy had. Um, Jeremy asked yesterday, um, what is house hacking? And what are the advantages and disadvantages of house hacking? And then Zakaya had another question as well. Hey, guys, quick question here. If someone were wanting to house hack but needs a JV partner to qualify... The partner that's wanting to live there would have to pay rent to keep it cash flowing, correct? If so, would you pay fair market or just enough to keep it positive? Okay, first, what is house hacking, Wayne? Um, House hacking is uh, a real estate investing strategy. Um, not so commonly used, but mostly for people that are new into, um, investing, they don't have a whole heck of a lot of money, but they, they want to learn how to become a landlord, right? They want to, they want to, um, they want to build up some cash flow or reduce their, their, their expenses. So it's, uh, Google kind of calls it a modern lifestyle choice. Uh, that's borrowed heavily from old school ways. Um, but house hacking, essentially what it is, is that you're, what you're doing is you're taking a home that you already own and you're renting out portions of it, okay, to, to generate extra income. So the definition that, that most people use is like buying a multi-unit, a multi-family unit, whether that be two, three, four units, whatever you're um, you're allowed to do and then living in one renting out the others so the revenue from the other three units say for example will pay for all of your expenses to live for free mm-hmm. in the first unit okay um, the goal is to with house hacking is to live for free uh, another way to do that would be to rent out your basement and have the rent that they pay for the basement to cover your expenses. Mm-hmm. Another way would be for you to live in the basement and for someone to live upstairs, same thing. You're trying to live for free. Yeah. Trying to cover your costs. Um, lastly, um, a very popular one is uh, renting out your rooms individually. Again, to live for free. Yeah. That's the whole that's the whole idea of house hacking. It's funny. Um, they were actually, I, I very rarely am actually like driving and listening to the radio, but I was listening to the radio yesterday when I dropped off uh, Reggie at Dougie Daycare and they were talking about um, a conversation came up and one of the, um, one of the hosts said that 
when he was younger, he bought a house and he turned the attic into a bedroom, which he lived in, or that was his room. Yeah. And then he rented out the two bedrooms. He rented out his couch and I can't remember if there was like a garage or whatever, but at least those. And so he not only covered his expenses, but he had $2,000 of cash flow coming in wow. on top of that. So he was living for free and making $2,000 out of his property for years. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. That's how it's happening. Um, sorry, I just sneezed. <laughs> I had to mute it. You can go ahead. Yeah, you look rattled. <laughs> I was holding that sneeze for a long time, so it wasn't. A, it was a painful sneeze. You can uh, actually, you know what? Just gonna take a quick little commercial break. We'll be right back. Hi, folks. Barry McGuire here. I'm inviting you to join our free Facebook group, Barry McGuire's Creative Real Estate Education. We go live every Monday discussing all sorts of creative real estate strategies. You know, nothing can match the power of learning from Canada's top creative real estate experts. We provide you with the education and tools you need to close your first damn deal. It's the most important one. Join our free group, Barry McGuire's Creative Real Estate Education, and we'll see you Monday. I had a really cool uh, session last night. I think we talked about that, about the round table. Mm -hmm. um, Barry McGuire's uh, Creative Real Estate Education Group, they did their Facebook Live last night. Uh, they did a rent-to-own round table, which was... Uh, whole lot of big heavy hitters there some uh, really popular investors um neil and rachel oliver came out um they're probably the most successful rent to own uh, couple in canada 600 some odd rent owns they've done it's ridiculous um neil taniguchi was there as well he's got his own business andrea workington's done a bunch of rent owns um and myself uh, i was there as well um uh with barry mcguire so it was really cool i don't know if you guys check that out or not um you can check them out every monday uh, at 5 p.m they do their uh, facebook live education um now where were we we're talking about house hacking right yeah so we went over the basics of what house hacking is now um it's normally like not not a strategy that you can um replicate over and over like it's not like a strategy you can implement as a business right it's just one of those yeah. things that people use early on mm -hmm. to either just reduce their expenses or to reduce their expenses so that they can start saving for a down payment for the next property yeah but like it's not something that like you can just use and buy 10 properties and house hack because you have to be in one of the units yeah. in order for it to make sense so Early on, it's a good strategy for, like I said, trying to save up for your next property, reduce your expenses. Maybe you're trying to do the um, the FIRE movement, uh, financial independence, retire early. A great way to do that is to, you know, if you have a little bit of cash flow from a couple properties and then you rent out all the rooms in your house and you have no expenses other than like your insurance and your and your food, then yeah, that's a great way to get to a point where you can leave your job because you have more passive income than you do expenses. Um, Zakaya asked if someone were wanting to house hack, but needs a JV partner to qualify, would you pay fair market rent or would, would you expect them to pay fair market rent? Uh, I'm trying to figure out like the, the joint venture agreement in that scenario. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out. It's not just a simple situation. Like that's kind of 
Uh, you, there's different components in there that make it a little murky. You do it on your home. So if you're asking your joint venture, I mean, qualify. the whole the whole reason for house hacking is to is to reduce your expenses as the homeowner. And get in normally is to also get in for that 5% down, right? You want to mm-hmm. get in with just a little bit of money and have live in one of them and have the other people pay the expenses. So if you have a joint venture partner, then you can't do that. You can't do the 5% down. Because it's not their primary residence. Yeah. I'm not going to tell anybody to commit mortgage, mortgage fraud. <laughs> I get it. You're probably thinking, hey, man, just you bring the 5%. I'll say it's my place. And then we'll rent out all the rooms. It's, you can't do that. It's, it's mortgage fraud. Um, so, I mean, I'm trying to figure out the pitch to your joint venture partner. Hey, man, you bring the 20%. And I'll need some more information, Sakai. So keep an eye on the comments at the bottom there. Um, I'll live in it and I will keep an eye on all the tenants living in each room. And then you give me a decent rent. But then also that's not like the point of house hacking is to not be paying rent. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't think that it really works with a joint venture partner unless all that unless it was say a family member and they wanted to help you out and all they cared about was that the expenses were paid because they're getting equity pay down they're getting hopefully appreciation yeah um in that situation where they just want to help you i could see how it could possibly work but with somebody who's coming in and you're trying to convince them to be your joint venture partner it doesn't make sense for them to just have this break even at the end of the day property it's mm-hmm. not really house hacking at the end unless of unless you say you know mom dad if you give me the the down payment money to buy my first house which you're going to house hack i will cover all of the payments and everything i'll make sure that the expenses are done i'll make sure that the repairs and maintenance are upkept mm-hmm. and then you get to keep 50 percent of the equity yeah right yeah now keep in mind that's mortgage fraud because when your parents give you the down payment money, it's supposed to be a gift. True. Okay. Anytime and any family member, because they allow you to, uh, if they allow your family members to gift you the down payment money, it's supposed to be a gift. And there's supposed to be a gift letter saying that this is a gift and that they don't, they do not owe it back. But what about if the down payment money isn't given back and it's just profits are split? There's not supposed to be any charges. Okay. There's not supposed to be any interest on interest. it. Okay. It is a gift okay. with nothing in return. Mm-hmm. So technically you can't do that either. <laughs> so JVs and house hacking are too, like, it's not like they just, they, they aren't, they can't be used together. You know what I mean? They just don't make sense together. Um, now, if you had a joint venture partner and say, hey, let's buy a property we can rent out the rooms and heck I'll even rent out one of the rooms and I'll keep an eye on everything. And they put 20% down, then that's fine. But the whole house hacking thing, I mean, it's just like the definition doesn't match. Mm-hmm. Again, I'll, I'll keep an eye out for, for additional comments on that, but um, just to clarify, but I think, I think house hacking is a very, very good strategy. If you're young and you're, you know, you don't have a family Definitely don't do it with a family. It's going to be difficult. Um, 
but it's a great way to reduce your expenses and start saving up. Um, heck, even if if it's just enough to reduce your expenses to nil so that you can you know, work less or not work at all and put all of your energy into your wholesaling business or all of your energy into your flipping business. If you don't have the stresses of having to cover home expenses, it makes it a lot easier, right? The stresses of your mom, you know, on your ass being like, why don't you get a job? What are you doing with your life? Dropping off flyers every day, knocking on doors, trying to get people to buy, (laughs) sell you their home. So house hacking can really reduce that stress when you're trying to get up and get your business running. Right. Um, We talked a lot about last night when the basic training event about becoming an entrepreneur and having that entrepreneur mindset or that investor mindset. Um, If you still have to go to work every day to cover your expenses, it's kind of hard to be, to, to live in an entrepreneur kind of mindset. Mm Mm-hmm. Because you're still thinking like an employee. But once you pull the plug, once you cut off the lanyard for that safety net or that safety line, suddenly you are willing to do things that you would never do before because you have no other option. Yeah. Right? So I think house hacking is a really great way to test that if you can reduce your expenses enough to leave your job and then you have no other options to, to put food on your table or to, you know, put gas in your car than to work and to make money, then I think it's great. I love house hacking. Not a lot of people get to do it because normally um, it's not until their late twenties that they decide to change their life. Yeah. Um, so if you're young, like Zakaya, absolutely. Did you great. see all those people last night saying, I wish I was Zakaya's age when I started? <laughs> <laughs> Zakaya's the reference. And did you see he was out hustling, dropping off flyers last night in the dark and the cold? I saw that. Good for you, Zakaya. That man is a damn hustler. He's yeah. working all day. So we partner with him on our flip in, in St. Albert. He's literally working all day on the renovation and then flyering in the night. And, and, and here in the morning and there in the evening for the oh, training. Oh, shit. Yeah, and he's yeah. here in the morning. And he moved here from Calgary to Edmonton just for this opportunity. Yeah. So what the hell are you doing today? Yeah. Be like Zakaya. And you know what? Hashtag be like (laughs) Zakaya. And if you're young and, 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 and you're ready to do something like, like Zakaya does, what you'll find, and I'm sure Zakaya knows this because we've talked about it. 30 year olds, 40 year olds, 50 year olds are willing to do anything to help you out. Because yeah. they all feel like, damn, I wish I was like you when I was younger. Yeah. So you'll find that they're willing to like, they're willing to partner with you. They're willing to give you all of their experience and all of their tips and tricks to make sure that you get there as quickly as possible because they're so happy for you that you did what they couldn't do. Yeah. Or they didn't do. And it also helps when you're like just a seriously nice guy. Do you remember the first time we met Zakaya at yeah. the Springvale um, flip meetup? Yeah. Yeah. I just like that was like impressionable, like just how genuine and like such a nice guy. We're just like, we want to help that guy. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we actually. We had uh, a conversation about him after. A, did you meet that guy? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's going places. Yeah. You, you notice it. You notice it. Um, I, we, we, I know what it takes in order to be successful. 
right? And when you meet someone else and you, you can kind of see that they have that, mm-hmm. um, it's quite clear. Um, they're, they're success leaves clues. <laughs> I hate gimmicky things. Um, but yeah, really extre- extremely happy for Sakai. Just taking action. If, if, you're, if you're 20 years old and you're ready to give her, give him a call. Give me a call. I love helping people who are young that, that are willing to take chances mm-hmm. and to willing to invest themselves. Let's get through these comments. Did anyone else have any questions about house hacking? No. Well, I think we covered. Um, Tammy had said, what's the benefit to your joint venture partner if you didn't pay market rents? Maybe negotiate managing the property as an incentive. Which I think in this case, would all that would already be a given. Um that you'd be managing it. Yes. So there was an addition, uh, additional question to Jeremy's. Um, oh yeah. Benefits and uh, pros and cons. Yeah. Um, advantages and disadvantages. Well, advantages, obviously we, we discussed Talked most about, of the yeah. advantages, um, but reducing your income and giving you more flexibility mm-hmm. when you don't have to worry about your housing costs. It, it it frees you up to, I don't know, if you want to go spend it at the bar, you can go on an extra vacation every year. Um, save for a down payment. Save for a down payment. Not have to work. And um, like if you have other, like a little bit of income coming in from either a rental property or whatever, mm-hmm. you can maybe not be working. So you have the opportunity to hustle as a wholesaler or that type of thing. Mm-hmm. If you've got a basement anyways, you're never going down into it. It doesn't need to be a legal basement per se. Um, if you're just renting out a room, um, that's just wasted space. Yeah. Right. In our last place, um, we had a basement suite in our last place. Mm -hmm. Um, but like if, if there was no basement suite down there, do you think we'd ever go down there? No. Probably not. (laughs) Might've thrown like your Xbox down there or something. Yeah. But well, my guitars would have been down there. Yeah. True. Um, but otherwise we would have never gone down there. It's just, it's like miles away compared to the rest of the house <laughs> if you think about like all the stairs and everything and, yeah. and just it was such a such a big house that we just it, it's it was yeah. too much for the three of us yeah um so if you got a situation like that where you're not using it anyways then yeah rent it out if you're single and you've got a three or four bedroom house rent out the rooms when you're when you're young yeah it's 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 not great it's not fun but kind of lose your privacy but you know, if, if it means that it gives you the flexibility and opportunity to do, you know, the things that you want to do to be an entrepreneur, then I think it's great. Disadvantages are the obvious ones. Privacy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you have a friend coming over late in the evening, your privacy's yeah going to be affected. But also uh, room rentals wouldn't follow the um, Residential Tenancies Act, would it? No, it's yeah. Innkeepers Act. Yeah. So a different set of rules that you would need to learn and abide by. Yeah. Um, if, if you've ever had roommates in the past, I should have, I should have started with the negative ones and then ended with the positive ones. Because <laughs> um, I don't want this to discourage people. If you've ever had roommates, um, roommates just, they, they do things that make you unhappy. So many ruined friendships. <laughs> right. Um, and I mean, like, I mean, look at your spouse. Right. Or look at your partner. I mean, there's there's things that they do and you're like, why do you leave the toilet seat up every time? 
you know, why do you leave the coffee cups all over the house? Why is there Coke cans everywhere? Why is there, why don't you fold the laundry? Why can't you just do this? Like there's, there's always things like that that people do um, that were like, they were an expectation in your household, but then like it wasn't an expectation in their household. Like, why do you hold the fork that way? Why do you, why do you eat like that? So there's, there's always going to be like little things like that, that, that people are going to be, you know, you're going to be turned off by and they're going to be turned off (laughs) and it just, it creates, you start villainizing the other people. Right. Um, because you know, it was, it was, it was wet outside because it's spring and they tracked in mud and they didn't clean it. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, why don't you put your shoes away back in the thing? Why don't you hang up your jacket? Um, so you start villainizing the other people and it just, it ruins relationships and, and rarely does it, is it ever just like just a happy place. Um, but it's something that you have to sacrifice in order to get to the goals that you want. Um, other downsides would be. Uh, geez. Uh, just mostly the privacy things I would say. Yeah, for sure. Right. Anything else you can think of? No, I don't think so. Um, doesn't affect your financing at all. Um, Innkeepers Act. We talked about that. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I mean, there's a whole heck of a lot of it, other than just, you know, the living with other people thing. That yeah. I think that's the most difficult thing. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, when it's renting out the basement, it's like you have that level of separation. But when it, you're renting out a room and you have common areas, that's where it gets even rickier. <laughs> yeah. I think as well, um, the other thing is like when, when you have rental properties, there's a level of separation, right? your rental properties aren't next door for the most part. They're probably, you know, a few streets away or on the other side of the city. Mm-hmm. So when you have to, when there is conflict and you need to address someone because they haven't paid or because they're messy or something along those lines, they're not doing what they're supposed to do as per their lease. They're right there. They're in your space and it's going to make, you know, Normally your home is the place where you go to relax and, and spend time and you want to be at peace. You don't want that, that energy, you know what I mean? In the living room mm-hmm. and, you know, people glaring at each other and people talking about each other. Like you don't really want that. It, that will, that may affect your investor mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, if the whole goal is to be more like an entrepreneur and the people around you are, are just living for the weekend and not paying and they're pissing you off and you asked them to leave last week, but they haven't left yet. And they, they're like, Oh yeah, sorry, dude, I'll get you the rent on, on, uh, on Monday. You know, like I had that, you saw yesterday, my car didn't start. So I had to get that thing. I'm like, dude, you know, like why are you, why are you busting my balls? Like, you know, you saw yesterday my car didn't start. Right. So you really don't want that within your, uh, within your personal space. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Does that cover house hacking? I think so. Yeah. Um, so Matt had a question. So Matt was informed last night that a seller refuses to consent to assign the purchase contract to the end buyer. Do they have the right to do so? Sorry. Um, I want to find this because I, I, I'd like to read it again. Or can you say it again? I was informed last night that a seller refused to consent to assign the purchase contract to the end buyer. 
do they have the right to do so? I asked Matt, Matt, if he could, uh, Matt, Matt Ledger. Yeah. Ledger asked yeah. That. yeah. I asked him if he could elaborate as to what point in the transaction had happened just out of curiosity, because the answer is no what province. Isn't it Canada wide? I don't remember. Barry was on recently and he talked about this. So if anyone remembers what Barry said, <laughs> um, I was under the impression it was only Alberta. Okay. And I thought it was Canada wide that, okay, Jeremy said, Barry said Alberta. Okay. So yeah, it depends on the province then. Because in Alberta, every residential purchase contract is assignable. Real estate contracts. Real estate contracts. Um, but you'll have to check in what province, because I know that you're working a lot in New Brunswick. So you will have to look up what the, what the law is there. Yes. Uh, I know that Matt is doing oh, business. Oh, it's in Calgary. Okay. I know Matt was doing business in New Brunswick, so I want to make sure. Yeah. Uh, no. They cannot. Um, now, we've talked about this in the past, and we don't think we have enough time to do a whole wholesaling course today, but there are many different ways that you can wholesale uh, or assign your interest in a purchase contract. One way as I'm sure it is that you're doing, is to cross off the name, uh, your name, Matt Legere, and putting in uh, Joe Buyer. And then what would need to happen is you would need to initial it, Joe Buyer would need to initial it, and also the seller would need to initial it to make that contract whole. I'm assuming that's what he's doing, and then the seller is, is refusing to, to do that right now. Well, what, he what? said... He said the deal has already been assigned and are in the hands of the lawyers. So that would have probably been done beforehand if that was the case. Or an assignment contract. Yeah. And in the example where there's an assignment contract to be a one page assignment. It says I, Matt Legere, assign my interest in contract 123 Calgary to Joe Buyer for a fee of ten thousand dollars now the the seller would never see that so your joe buyer what they would get is they would get the original contract that had matt legere's name on it and also the seller's name on it and then he would also have his one page assignment contract what gave him that gives him the interest in that contract now and they would send both of those all that paperwork stapled together to the lawyer the lawyer would contact the other the seller's lawyer you know, Matt's out of it now. Matt's been paid. He's done. He's not involved in it anymore. Um, so I wonder if how that would have came, how it would have got to that point, mm -hmm. if that were the way it was being done. Because the lawyer, the other, the seller's lawyer might have potentially found out that this was an assignment, and then they might have told their clients, but the seller wouldn't know how much money was being made, right? Mm -hmm that they sold it to someone else. Yeah. There's a few things that could be done in your wholesaling business to kind of avoid these types of things. You know, things that you can say to your seller before or as you're signing, you know, that you may be assigning this to, to me, you know, even just, even just saying that I have a business, I buy properties, my, my partners and I, right. Mm -hmm. Um, we have a business and, uh, you know, my partners, you know, have different, you know what I mean? Like depends, depends on the situation. I use different things saying like me and my partner or my partners and I, 
Um, you know, I handle this section of the city. They handle this section of the city. Um, I handle renovations. They kind of handle like the, you know, the rental property side of it. Um, just saying those things, just dropping those little seeds. And then later on down the road, you know, as you're, you know, finalizing things, you're going to be like, you know, we decided that uh, my partner, uh, Joe is actually going to be the one that's going to be handling this because it's in, it's in the Southeast side of uh, Calgary and that's kind of his thing. And I focus on the Northwest. So um, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to, we're going to put his name on it just to, to finalize things. I know it's, and then he'll take care of the rest of the stuff, but nothing, nothing else is going to change. You know what I mean? It just kind of, it's, it kind of helps guide it along. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes it seamless. Mm-hmm. So technically, no. The answer to your question is no, he cannot prevent you from doing it. However, however, what you would need to do, if they said, no, I'm not selling you this, then you would need to take that seller to court Mm -hmm. and make a claim for that house. First things first, I would put, I would register your purchase contract on title in the form of a caveat for buyer's interest, right? This is what your lawyer is going to tell you to do. They're going to say, okay, go down, register a caveat on title, protecting your interest in this property because you have an unconditional offer signed, okay? Now, the person, your your assignee, the person, Joe Buyer, can actually take the purchase contract and the assignment contract and file their own caveat as well. So that way, the seller can't sell it to someone else. Mm -hmm. They can't do anything with the property, Okay. Then you would have to file a claim and take them to, to provincial court, probably hire a lawyer because you've probably never been to provincial court before and make a claim saying, I have an interest in this property, a buyer's interest, and they're refusing to sell. I've had this happen before um, where I was buying an assignment. Mm-hmm. I paid for it. And then the seller changed their mind. Now, why they changed their mind, I mean, I think they they realized that it wasn't a good deal anymore. They talked to somebody and they said it wasn't a good deal, something along those lines. And then they were really unhappy about the fact that why is this guy taking it over? Why is Wayne taking it over? And he just said, yeah, I talked to my lawyer. They said, I don't have to sell. And so, you know, we did our own research and found out that they do. But in order for me to get that property, I would have to take them to court. And when I take them to court, um, what I learned was that there is no guarantee that a judge will force someone to sell their house to you. Yeah. Barry McGuire's words were, no judge in Canada is going to force a homeowner to sell their property if they don't want their to. Their home. Their home. Yeah. Might have a better chance if it was a rental property or that type of thing. So he said, what you will get is you will get any expenses that you incurred because they did not fulfill their obligations to the contract. Yep. So you're, they're going to get their home inspection receipt. Um, if your buyer had already sold their home and they paid for a moving truck and they were ready to go, then you could, you know, bring those receipts as well. Any receipts, you know, any expenses that you incurred. If, you know, your buyer had to live in another rental or a hotel for a few weeks, they can bring those receipts, anything, any expenses that you incurred because of the situation. If they have to go buy another house, 
a similar house, but they had to end up paying more, an extra $30,000, they can go after the seller for that $30,000 difference because they had to go and find another house that was like it or similar to it, Mm -hmm. but it ended up costing them more. So any expenses that you incurred because of the the non-fulfillment of their obligations, um, you can go after them for. But they will, there is no guarantee that a judge in Canada will ever force someone to sell their home. Mm -hmm. That's what we learned. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, they're supposed to, but do you really want to go, you have to think about your, your, you and your assignee have to think about like, what are we trying to get out of this? How much am I out on this? And is it worth going to court for 1500 bucks or a thousand bucks? Yeah. You, Matt, are probably going to have to give your assignment feedback if you already received it. And uh, I just wanted to add there, well, he did say it's vacant and boarded up, which is interesting. It's funny. Um, Some people's decision making, um, you know, how did they come to the decision that they didn't want to assign it when it's vacant and boarded up and losing money on it? But regardless, um, what I was going to say is that, you know, also just what's the conversation that your lawyer has had with the other lawyer? Like, do they both understand they should, they're they're real estate lawyers, do they both understand that every real estate contract in Alberta is assignable? Unless it says otherwise. Unless it says otherwise. And have they had that conversation? And what was the outcome of that conversation? You know, like, what's the other lawyer's tactic here? Like, what are they trying to help their client with? So yeah, I'd want to find out what that conversation has been. These these situations are way more common in off-market deals than they are on deals that are on the MLS with realtors. Yes. Because a realtor would would very likely um, advise their client to gain something like this. Yeah. Um, in off-market deals where, you know, it's boarded up, I bet you 20 other wholesalers have contacted this house in the last two years. Yeah, maybe they've gotten a sweet, another sweet offer. They probably may might have got your deal and then someone else contacted them in, in Calgary and said, hey, you know, I'll give you this. And there's no, there's no like ethics, code yeah. of ethics, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, in situations like this, your, your, your seller probably has never sold a property before, you know, unless they're a savvy investor. So, you know, if they get a better offer, they don't understand that a purchase contract is, 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 a, is, a, is a contract, mm-hmm. is a legally binding contract. So they might just be like, oh, I got a better offer. I'm going to take this one. Fuck them. So in off-market situations where there's no professionals involved other than you and the and the un, unsophisticated seller, um, these are more likely to happen. I, I really, really hope that the lawyers talk some sense into the person yeah, and that it can be salvaged. We don't have all that much information, but, but that is essentially um, uh, what they're supposed to do. Um, I just want to quickly scroll through. Have you been keeping an eye on the comments? Mm-hmm. Um, any other questions that we need to save for tomorrow? I don't believe so. No. Okay, guys. Um, well, right at the end here, Cody added, without going to court, could you just ask for your expenses paid to cancel the contract? In theory, you could ask for anything, but it doesn't sound like they probably willingly do that. <laughs> uh, I would I would get the lawyers to yeah. to get your lawyer to draft up a statement. Um you know, because yeah, I would I get you refer to your lawyer on this one. Um uh, make sure it's done correctly. Let them do the talking with the other lawyer. It's far more likely than to get Better anywhere outcome. than than yeah. you just like pointing your finger at the seller who doesn't just doesn't understand it. Yeah. 
Okay, that's about it for today. Today is today's Tuesday. Yes. Yes. Okay, so we will see you guys tonight at 7 p.m. If you're signed up for the uh, real estate investing basic training, we'll see you tonight. Hopefully, everybody did their homework. I'm keeping an eye out. We had some homework last night. I saw a bunch of people did it last night. I'm looking forward to seeing more of it today. Um, yeah, we'll see you guys tonight. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Investing Morning Show. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Interested in being a guest on the show? Send us an email to info at reimorningshow.com.